Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 130 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada and XM Channel 158, on Saturday, March 12th, 2011, live from Austin, it's The Tech Guy. This is episode 751. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the Tech Guy, and I'm live from Austin, Texas, in the studios of 98.9, the big talker here in Austin, down here for South by Southwest. Boy, I have a great view out the window here of the Austin skyline, the capital city of Texas, and we're just having a great time. South by Southwest is a is a conference that started as a, Jeff, did it start as a music festival or as a film festival? Music was first, then it became a film festival, and then a few years ago, about a decade ago, they started doing what they called South by Southwest Interactive, which was uh, the idea of which was to, I guess, highlight the World Wide Web. And I think the first South by Southwest had about three or 400 people, which is kind of a little, little old thing. Then all the musicians come to town. Boy, South by Southwest music is amazing. It's really an incredible music festival. The film festival's big. Well... <laughs> Ten years, fast forward ten years later, and uh, South by Southwest Interactive, I think, is now at least as big as a music festival, if not bigger. Uh, I couldn't believe it. We got in last night, and uh, the town was just one big rocking party full of nerds, which is an interesting look. I got to tell you, <laughs> it was like they transplanted all the hipsters in San Francisco to Austin, and then let them loose on Sixth Street. And uh, well, man. Man, that was that was wild. So uh, <laughs> um, I hung around for a little bit, but uh, but uh, you know, after a while, I thought I I'm, I think I'm too old for this actually. But it's interesting because I think what you're seeing is in some ways this interesting Renaissance kind of era, um, a, a tech community just celebrating its success. All these twenty somethings who are millionaires, some of them billionaires. Many of them not, but hoping to be or on the way to being. And uh, and you, it's just palpable, the, the feeling in the air of uh, exuberance and excitement. And, yeah, let's not focus just on the money. Also, the sense of innovation and being able to make a difference and change things is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, some say, is it a tech bubble? You know, we had a tech bubble, and, and that bubble burst in 2000, 2001. And everybody's a little afraid that the same thing will happen. You know, it's the one, the one thing that's very different. First of all, what is a tech bubble? A tech bubble is uh, an irrational exuberance. The feeling that an infinite amount of money is about to be made. There's no way you could lose money. Quick, get in before uh, it's too late. Valuations skyrocket as a result. But there's one thing missing this time. There's no real, uh, you know, there aren't, these companies aren't issuing stock. There are no, what they call initial public offerings. They're not going public. And so you can't buy stock. So there isn't the same kind of, you know, irrational spending on stocks for these companies. Very few of them are public. Even Facebook, which is the stock I think uh, most people would say, buy, buy, buy. 
uh, won't go probably won't go public till uh, 2012. Um, it's already, I mean, its valuation is certainly through the roof, but you, you can't buy stock in it, so you can't have a collapse really. Or if you do, it only affects the uh, the most wealthy venture capitalists who got in early. So maybe there's a bubble in the sense that people are irrationally exuberant about the innovation and the excitement that's going on in the World Wide Web, but I don't think it's going to have the same uh, kind of bubble burst. And, you know, bubbles are not so bad. They're bad if you were, and <laughs> I wasn't, so I it's, I guess, easy for me to say. It's bad if you invested your retirement fund in uh, Netscape or iOmega or Pets.com 10 years ago. Yes, it's bad. you because you basically you lost all your money. Um, but there are advantages to a bubble. All that influx of cash doesn't just go into the pockets of a few rich people who walk away and live the rest of their lives on an island somewhere. It actually goes to building infrastructure. So one of the reasons we have this bubble, this excitement, this explosion right now, is because a lot of infrastructure was built a decade ago to support what everybody expected would be the next big thing. So there's a lot of fiber, there's a lot of internet uh, speed, there's a lot of stuff uh, out there that we are now reaping the benefits of. So, uh, you know, I think, yes, a lot of the money uh, gets eaten up, but uh, but also a lot of it gets saved and, uh, and preserved. Um, one of the things that happened, one of the irrationally exuberant things that happened in Austin this week is Apple, knowing that its two stores in Austin were kind of distant from the downtown area where all the geeks were, set up a pop-up store, that's what they call it, in downtown Austin uh, on 6th Street, uh, just a few blocks from the conference center and right in the heart of where people go to have a good time in Austin. And there were lines around the block yesterday at this store. Everybody wanted to get an iPad 2. This pop-up store only sold iPad 2s, as a matter of fact. You couldn't buy a, a MacBook there or an iPhone, just, uh, just the iPad 2. And uh, my, uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't in town yet, so I couldn't get in line. In fact, I was on an airplane uh, last night at 5 p.m. local time when the doors opened. But uh, my, uh, my crack producer Eileen did manage to get me one. This is, uh, I'm holding it up now to the microphone so you can hear it. Hear that? It is, <laughs> it's, it is, uh, it is, yeah, it's thinner. Um, uh, it's lighter. It's an iPad too. This one's on Verizon. I was kind of stunned when I. Sign up for the Verizon 3G on this and saw that it was $60 a month for five gigabytes and up. You can get even more. You can spend more money. I was kind of shocked. I ended up getting the $35 a month three gigabyte plan, which even then, I mean, that's awfully pricey for just three gigs. But I figure, well, I'll use mostly Wi-Fi. Um, kind of hard to tell if, you know, there's anything really super cool in this new uh, iPad uh, besides being thinner. It does have a built-in camera, and I was able to take some pictures with it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Not not a very good camera. Still haven't figured it out, but I think they the PC Magazine said it was 0.7 megapixels. It's 960 by 720. You know, when they say it's a 720p video camera, well, that's a little bit uh, not quite true. Because, uh, yes, it's 720 lines from top to bottom, but to be truly 720p, it would have to be wider. It would have to have more pixels crosswise, and it doesn't. Um, so it's an okay camera. It's essentially the same camera in the iPod Touch. Not as good, I, I, oddly enough, as in the iPhone 4. You get a much better camera in the iPhone 4. Much better. does seem faster. I mean, the fact that I could, for instance, run Photo Booth and have nine live video windows going all at the same time, that's pretty impressive. does have, you know, 
two processors in it, which means it should be, in theory, twice as fast. It's got a, a graphics processor in it that Apple claims is nine times faster. So that's, you know, that's another feature. It's got the camera. It's got the faster processor. got the better graphics. It's thinner, you know, a little thinner. 33% thinner, yes, but I mean, look, it's not much lighter. So I don't think you're going to notice a huge difference in size and weight. Screen's exactly the same. Uh, you know, my conclusion on paper uh, last week was it was just a little bit better, maybe just enough to make you wish you had one. And now having, now holding one, my reaction is if you've got an iPad one, no need to upgrade. No need to join those lines. By the way, another line again in Austin <laughs> at the pop-up store this morning. Phone number is 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536 if you want to call in. Are you going to get an iPad 2? Is it is it enough for you? Is it that much better for you? Or um, are you happy with your iPad 1? I had to get one because I have to talk about it. But uh, if, if, if it were my, I guess it was my money. I was going to say if it were my, well, it was my money. But uh, if I didn't have to buy one. <laughs> if I, in fact, not only was it my money for this one, but I had to buy a couple more for my staff. Uh, if it weren't my money, uh, if it were my money, and I uh, would I get one? And I didn't have to. No, probably not. I would not rush out to get an iPad too. Uh, this is the sixty-four gigabyte model I'm holding here. So we we, we went. What is that? That means it was almost eight hundred bucks or something. Eight fifty. Oh my goodness! Can I? Is it too late to take it back? I did get. Now talk. Now this was the ripoff. The $80 leather cover, that was the ripoff. Although it is, it is highly cool because it's got these magnets on it. You just drop it in place on the iPad, and it becomes a cover. So that's just like just like that. So that's kind of cool. 8888-ASK-LEO. What do you think? Ripoff or cool? Give me a ring. Let's talk. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888, ask Leo. I love the uh, the Apple uh, fans in the chat room who are saying, but Leo, the camera, it's 720p. You see, it's got, it's it's wide angle, see? No, it's not. I wish it, I wish it were 720p. It'd be nice if it were 720p. Apple says it's 720p. It is not. What does that mean? Well, it's not really a high-def camera in the iPad 2. It's a lower res camera that Apple scales in software to make uh, be that aspect ratio and everything. Now, here's the good news. Uh, that's not unusual. In fact, there are camcorders, 720p camp quote camcorders that do the same thing. So it's decent. It's fine. Uh, you know, that, there's a, even a larger question. If it, It's kind of an odd form factor for somebody to hold up an iPad and shoot a movie. I kind of like it. I like seeing the big screen. But it's a little ungainly. It's not exactly a camcorder, and I'm sure nobody would buy it to be a camcorder. Let's get to the phones. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-826-826. It's not in front of me, and I don't know what it is. 827-5536, is that right? I think so. <laughs> Just do 8888-ASK-LEO. Uh, thanks again to the folks at 98.9 FM, the big talker in Austin, for putting me up here. Uh, let's go to line one. Mike is in Illinois. Hi, Mike. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
Leo, thanks so much for taking my call. Big fan. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. For us over the years. Oh, well, my, my great pleasure. Thank you. I own an iMac and I own an iPad 1. And know that I can share information between the two because I've heard you talk about programs like Dropbox. Right. Wanted to know if there was a way that I could put files on my home computer, work on the documents, they would go up to the cloud, and then when I have my iPod outside of a Wi-Fi network, it's not the 3G model, that I'd be able to have those files on my iPad to be able to work on them, make changes, and when I got back to a Wi-Fi hotspot, it would sync those things back to my home computer. You kind of want to do what Dropbox does on your laptop on the iPad, essentially. So that see, when you have Dropbox on your laptop, you have a local version of the files. You work on the files. Then when you get online, oh, cool, look, Dropbox automatically synchronizes it to the cloud. And then all the other computers with the Dropbox account downloaded from the cloud. And so all the computers using Dropbox have the same file. And if you've made changes in one place, they get automatically propagated to the other place. The iPad doesn't quite work like that. Uh, there is a, 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 a additional add-on to Dropbox that you can purchase. It's not free, called DropDAV, that makes it a little bit more uh, like you want if you're using Pages. Is that what programmer are you using? Uh, I do use Pages. Okay, you're using Pages and Numbers and Keynote on the iPad. In other words, I work on the iPad. If you're using OmniFocus. Uh, DropDAV, which is D-R-O-P-D-A-V.com. Turn, it's, this is a little geeky, but I'll explain it. And if you don't understand, it's not a big deal. It, under, it, just understand this. It works like magic. But the magic is it turns Dropbox into something called WebDAV, which it turns out the iWork applications in the iPad can read and write. So what you will have to remember while you're online, it won't do it automatically while you're online, you'll have to remember to go into pages and get that document. But you can then work on it and then save it right to Dropbox from within pages. Okay. And if I was away from a hotspot and work as long as long as you updated it before you got out of the access area. Right? It doesn't in other words, the only difference between that and what and the way it works on a laptop is Dropbox does it automatically on the laptop. On the iPad, you'd have to remember before you got offline to sync up. I see. Okay. Well, it sounds like that may be something that works out for me. Yeah, and the way they do it, it it's free if you use a free Dropbox account, which is two gigabytes. And, fr- and frankly, that's probably enough. Uh, if you have a paid Dropbox account, then they take a fraction. It costs a fraction. I can't remember what the fraction is, but a fraction of the Dropbox Um account it's 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 inter- it's designed to do exactly what you want which is basically make i work on the ipad dropbox compatible and that's an app that i would get off the app store through dropbox or through no it's a website um what it what it's going to do is it's going to change how your dropbox account works dropdav.com okay super well i appreciate all the help hey my pleasure thanks for calling mike Thank you. Yeah, so that's a little of a geeky thing, but 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 it it does it does make it a little bit better. There is a Dropbox app you can put on the iPad. The problem is, well, now how do I get that into Pages? And it's not easy. And of course, uh, you can email yourself, uh, you you know, the file, and so this it's just not easy. But because Pages, uh, uh, Keynote, uh, and Numbers on the iPad all support this Web DAV standard, DropDAV turns Dropbox into something compatible with them. That make any more sense? 
88. It sounds crazy. I know. 8888. Uh, oh, now, 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 okay. Paul in the chat room has sent me an article from Anantech who says that when you shoot, the rear facing camera is, and this is what we've been trying to find out. It is 1280-720 when shooting video. So it does, in fact, shoot 720p video. It goes down, for some reason, to 960 by 720 when shooting stills. I guess because people expect stills to be 4 by 3 So that's good. That's better than I thought. So apparently there is native, not scaled, 1280 by 720 resolution on that back camera. That means it is, in fact, it is, in fact, a native 720p. This was the big question mark, and Apple wasn't telling anybody. The early reviewers, oddly enough, didn't say a word. Uh, the only thing I'd seen was something from PC Magazine, which said it was a 0.7 megapixel camera, which told me, no, this isn't a true 720p camera. But, you know, you can trust these guys at Anand. They're ultra geeky, and they apparently have done the, uh, the test to figure out that, in fact, Apple is putting a real 720p camera on the back. Thank you. That's great. Video, I will quote the salient point here in the Anand, uh, it's at anandtech.com review. Video quality on the iPad 2, almost exactly the same as the iPod Touch. In other words, not, not as good as the uh, iPhone 4. It's actually pretty good, though I want to do more testing, this reviewer is saying, before passing judgment. But it is 720p H.264 baseline L3.1 at 29.9 second frames, 29.97 frames per second. So that's good. That's 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 certainly better than I thought. I'm pleased. I wish they had put the iPhone 4 camera in there, but obviously they had to keep prices down, right? Line two, Chris Gardina, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Chris. Oh, hi. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Um, my e-machine, it finally died, so I bought a... <laughs> Are you jumping up and down with joy? No. No, you don't want your e-machine to die. Yeah, and it was pretty old, too. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I think it was time. Yeah. It went to the big e-machine in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Poor baby. The e-graveyard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bought a computer off the shelf. Okay. HP and it has Windows 7 uh, 62-bit. And much to my dismay, every single one of my programs, which were all XP and below. Hold, hold on, we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour, and I'm going to figure this out with you. Hold on, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Live from the Big Talker 98.9 FM in Austin, Texas, I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy down here in Austin for the big South by Southwest conference, which is getting underway today. I don't have anything to report from South by Southwest, except that there were a lot of parties last night, which I dimly remember. No, I I dimly remember them because I went for five minutes and said, I'm too old for this (laughs) and went home. I watched TV. Lawrence Welk was on. I was happy. 
8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. I'm talking with Chris and Gardena. Now, she traded in her e-machine, got a new computer. What version of Windows? You said 64-bit Windows what? Home Premium? Yeah, Home Premium. Okay. So, yeah, so I have um, my job. The program only works on XP, so I've been using their old slow, slow computer. Now, if you have Windows uh, 7 Ultimate, uh, or or business premium, you can. There is an XP mode that you can run on it that will run as XP, and you can continue to use that old program even on your new computer. So is that like the professional upgrade, or is that? Yeah. So if you if you go and you you have it, believe it or not, this is kind of something uh, Microsoft did new that's a little different. They have the Windows Anytime upgrade. Yeah. And uh, so if you, uh, or is it anywhere? I can't remember if it's any time or anywhere. I think it's any time. So you can actually upgrade to any version of Windows, any higher level of Windows. They are You already have everything you need on there. It basically just unlocks it and adds a few files. So, but you have to pay for it. I know. And it's, so it's like, I definitely want to know it's going to work. <laughs> right. So uh, and that I can't say. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it should work. What, so the program, what happens when you try to run the program on Windows 7? It says, uh, I, don't. I couldn't even get it installed. It wouldn't even install. Yeah. Well, there's another way you could do it that would be less expensive, maybe even free, is to run it in virtualization, which means that you take your Windows 7 and you install some software on there that lets you run Windows, this is actually all Microsoft's doing, that lets you run Windows XP underneath or within Windows 7. That's called virtualization because it's a virtual version of Windows that's running inside of Windows 7. Uh, you could do that free with a program called VirtualBox. It's from, it's from Sun Microsystems. If you just Google VirtualBox, you can download it. And then you will need an XP install disk because what happens is you install VirtualBox, you run it, and then in a little window, it's kind of cool, within Windows 7, you get a black screen saying, okay, I'm ready to install an operating system, just as if you were booting up on a blank computer. You put the DVD or CD for Windows XP in, it installs, and now Windows XP is running in a window inside Windows 7. Now, that's that's free if you've got a Windows XP disk lying around. All I had was, uh, you know, recovery disk for my... Right. Yeah. That may or may not work. Usually the uh, recovery disks uh, will look and see if you're on an e-machine, and then they'll say, no, that's not an e-machine. It says uh, from premium upgrade to professional, it says... I, uh, you should look, but I'm pretty sure it's Windows. There's two two versions of Windows that will do this. Ultimate will do it. Uh-huh. And there's Windows, I think it's called Windows Business Premium. Chatroom, what is that right? The Windows, is it Windows Business Premium that will run the XP mode? Chatroom knows all this stuff. Yeah. They know it all. Uh, by the way, you can get in our chat room by going to techguylabs.com and uh, clicking on chat. Yes, Enterprise. Enterprise. Professional, whatever it's called. So Windows 7 Professional or Windows 7 Ultimate. Both will do XP mode. 
Well, I guess I'm going to have to cough up the money. <laughs> uh, get work to cough it up. What is that stupid old program? I mean, come on. Why are they using a program that won't work on a modern version of Windows? XP is 10 years old. Yeah, well, I could say a few things about that. <laughs> what, what What is the program? Oh, it's a, their, their private platform. And then I also have a uh, personal program called Shortcut that uh, I've been using since the day of the DOS, although I got a, they finally upgraded it to Windows, when Windows 95, so I got the Windows finally. You know. Finally, at the end of its line, fortunately, they did um, make a Windows 7 version because that's that little program's worth gold to me. I just typed the one. The one thing that I might there's two things I actually would mention. One is because you're using 64-bit Windows, that may be the source of the problem with the the work program. Uh, if if you had 32-bit Windows 7 on there, it might work just fine. In fact, the fact that it won't install at all tells me that's the problem. Yeah. There's also a compatibility mode that you already have that doesn't require any additional software. If you go into compatibility mode and you said, hey, Windows 7, pretend you're XP, for a lot of programs, that's enough. Because what happens is programs say, uh, you know, these really dumb old programs, and oftentimes they're these kind of line of business programs that were dedicated, written just for, you know, one use. And they're they're dumb, and they'll go, what version of Windows are you? And Windows 7 will say, I'm Windows 7. And it'll go, oh, I don't know what that is. It must be old. It must be incompatible. So if 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 it may, in some cases, it's merely... It's enough merely to say, Windows 7, what are you? Uh, I'm XP. Yeah, I'm XP. That's what I am. And then the program goes, okay, I'll install now. So those are two things to look at. One is compatibility mode within the version of Windows you have. The other is maybe not using Windows 64-bit, but using Windows 7 32-bit. Oh, the, the program, it doesn't matter what the machine is? No. Oh. All machines nowadays are 64-bit. Uh-huh. All of them, you have a choice on all of them of installing 32 or 64. Windows, uh, Microsoft wants you to use 64-bit Windows, and most of these new machines come pre-installed with 64-bit. But the negative on 64-bit is that there are compatibility issues with older programs and older drivers. Yeah, oh, there's nothing I can do to make it go backwards to a 32-bit? Not not if they didn't give you the 32-bit disk. And, and even if they did, you have to format the computer and start from scratch. Okay, well, I wish I'd known about that difference. You know, I just bought the computer because it works. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Chris. Yeah, you know, it's... um. Uh, it's unfortunate, but this happens a lot. And, and all of the new computers are being sold with 64-bit on it. And we get, frequently, we get calls from people with older hardware and software that won't work on 64-bit. Yeah. The o- and this is the really sad thing. The on- there's only a few advantages to Windows 64. One of them is that you can address more than 4 gigabytes of RAM. But if you don't have more than 4 gigs of RAM, you're not getting that advantage. And most people don't. Yeah. And the other one is that there's some additional security in Windows 64-bit that you don't get in Windows 32-bit. But we've already seen that that additional security isn't really effective. In fact, it really only stops the antivirus authors from <laughs> working. It doesn't stop the viruses, just the antiviruses. <laughs> so it's, you know, Microsoft's trying to move us into the future. The problem is when you move into the future, the past is left behind, including all your old software. Uh-huh. I even had a, 
uh, photoshopped elements version one <laughs> that I was using up until now. Uh, yeah. The truth, the really, the real truth is that when you upgrade your computer, in many cases, you also need to upgrade your software and hardware. Yeah. Um, and that's just really the fact of the matter. Your old computer worked fine with the old stuff. Your new computer is going to need some new stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for all this information. All right. Thank you for calling. Coming up in just a little bit, Scott Wilkinson, our home theater guru. Uh, and a lot more of your calls. 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. We're going to continue with your calls in just a minute. But before we go any further, we've got Scott Wilkinson on the line. Scott is our home theater expert from the Ultimate AV Magazine at ultimateavmag.com. He also uh, joins us normally on Sundays, but he's got a concert coming up tomorrow. So we thought we'd get him on today. Hi, Scott. Hey, Leo. How you doing in there, Austin? uh, I tell you what, I love this town. It is a Several times. Uh, when I used to work for the Perfect Vision, they're based in Austin. And so I went out there, you know, when I was working there several times for meetings and stuff. And we would go out to dinner and hear a bunch of great blues. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's really, for a musician or somebody who loves music, there couldn't be a better town. I agree. Or if you like barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> or Tex-Mex. <laughs> so uh, tell us, before we get to the home theater, about your concert tomorrow. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's uh, tomorrow morning at 10.30. Okay. I won't be up, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's a commemoration of the hundredth, of the centennial, I should say, of the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire Factory in New York, uh, where 146 young women, laborers, it was basically a sweatshop, uh, lost their lives in the fire because the exits were locked. Unbelievable. So this is a commemoration. Of, that, that was really one of the primary motivators for the modern labor movement, which, of course, is under great attack right now. And uh, so we are commemorating the 100th anniversary of that event uh, with a quite a substantial program, actually, of readings. There's a little play. Uh, my wife, Joanna Kasdan, did all the music. I'm mostly a sideman on this gig, actually, <laughs> playing tuba and uh, iwi, electronic woodwind instrument, playing clarinet and, and synthesized clarinet and bassoon. Uh, but my wife, Joanna, did all the music, did an incredible job. Uh, anybody in L.A. who uh, who has an interest in this can go to Sholem, S-H-O-L-E-M dot org. That's the organization that's putting it on and get all the details about where and when. I'm pretty sure it's a free free performance. It doesn't cost anything to go. So uh, I encourage anybody who is interested in this commemoration to uh, check it out. Very good. Sounds like a lot of fun. Is there a website they can go to to find out more? It's H-O-L-E-M dot org. Um, it's uh, the website of the Sholem community, uh, which is a secular Jewish community, kind of a little bit of an oxymoron, but there it is. 
um, where I do the we do the um, uh, Jewish New Year celebration every year as well with that organization. So, and that's over on the west side of L.A. Um, and uh, I'm going down this afternoon to uh, do all the setup. We got a complicated sound system setup that we're we're dealing with. So. It's going to be loads of, uh, well, I wouldn't exactly call it fun. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be a serious remembrance, um, yeah. but uh, an important one. I think uh, if we fail to learn from history, we're, we're bound to repeat it. So uh, I hope we learn something from all of this. So uh, let's talk home theater. What you got on the uh, docket for us here? Well, I got a couple of things. I got some... Um, uh, first of all, I want to quickly mention that we're running a, a new contest on UAV Home Theater and HomeTheaterDesignMag.com in which uh, participants can win a $7,000 projector. I'm quite wow, a- sounds good. Uh, so I just want to direct anybody to those three websites. You can enter on all three, actually, only once on each one. But uh, uh, there's, a, there's a potential to win a really fine projector, actually. I've, uh, I've done a review. I haven't quite posted it yet, but I'm working on that. And uh, it's going to be... It's going to be really great. So I recommend that, uh, that you go check that out. Then I would say we have some tons of listener questions. One of them is a, a very good one, I think, uh, which is, you know, TVs and Blu-rays have apps these days, right, where you uh, can access Internet content primarily is what it's for. And the, the listener wrote me a, an email and said, where is it better to have the apps, in the TV or the Blu-ray player? Ah, that's a good question. Both have them. Yeah. The response is, well, it kind of almost doesn't matter because most TVs and Blu-ray players now have them anyway, so you're not going to really be able to find one without, except for cheapies. You get them both. You get them in both. And um, if you have a choice, I prefer to have them in the Blu-ray player. Why? Because the Blu-ray player is much more portable. So if you wanted to take it from your main system into your bedroom or something and watch the online content there... You could. Certainly that's important for for older TVs that don't have these apps. Um, You know, if you're buying new stuff, it it really doesn't matter. You're going to get them whether you want them or not. It's almost like 3D now. Uh, We just came from a Panasonic press briefing about their new Blu-ray players, and three out of the four Blu-ray players are 3D capable. So, And TVs are getting more and more so as well. Um, and by the way, that fourth Blu-ray player from Panasonic that is only two only two D list price ninety nine bucks. So buy that one because I'll tell you something: you're never going to watch a three D movie in your life. Okay, I, I've said it. I don't have to say it again. Scam, scam, scam. Okay, fine. Now, uh, uh, let me ask one uh, follow up question though for that question because maybe he's saying, okay, I have him in both. Is there one that would be preferable to use? Is there one that might be, say, better quality or anything like that? I guess that... I don't think the quality is going to be significantly better. It's going to be the same. Ever. To, the, the better answer to that question is each manufacturer has deals with content providers. Right. Almost all of them provide Netflix and YouTube. So the capabilities may vary. Yes, well, the content accessibility, what content you can access might vary. So if you particularly want Cinema uh, cinema Now, for example, and one manufacturer has a deal with them and another manufacturer doesn't, then that would would push you into one direction or another. Might be a good reason to have uh, have both, 
right there, just so for more capabilities. I'm a big Roku fan. I like the capabilities of Roku, but it doesn't support cinema now, and maybe it does, but there are things it doesn't support. So doesn't support none of these online content providers are available on. Uh, I should say uh, the uh, streaming devices. None of them provide access to everything. They all have deals, and some of them provide access to some. Some of them provide access to others. There's a lot of overlap, but it's not complete. So this is an argument, actually, for buying a TV from one manufacturer and a Blu-ray player from another manufacturer, which has a set of of, uh, online content available. Scott Wilkinson is the editor-in-chief at the Ultimate AV magazine and normally joins us uh, at this time on Sunday. uh, Sundays, yeah. So stop by next week and join us because that's when it'll be on. And don't forget to, uh, if if you're in the L.A. area, uh, go see that event uh, tomorrow. That sounds like uh, it will be moving. In in Marina Del Rey. Very cool. Thank you, Scott. Pleasure. Have fun in Austin. I appreciate it. Oh, we are. There's no way you cannot have fun in Austin. Hey, before we uh, get to our next call, I do want to mention our friends at Nod32. Actually, the friends are at ESET. That's the company that makes Nod32. And the reason I make the distinction is because ESET also makes a great antivirus for Macintosh now. It's called ESET Cybersecurity for Mac. Uh, I've said many times that you don't have to worry about viruses on the Mac, and technically you still don't, but I just have to point out that yesterday at the, or the day before yesterday at CanSec West, the big Canadian security conference, the first computer to be hacked was a Mac. So it's it's not uh, it's it's probably not a bad idea to have a little extra protection. One thing cybersecurity uh, for the Mac does have as well is education. And this is an educational component. And this is something I've said for a long time. It's really your behavior that's the most important. You protect yourself by knowing what not to do. And cybersecurity for the Mac from uh, ESET does that as well. It's really a fantastic program. Great for everybody. You can try it free for 30 days. If you're on a Mac, of course, lightweight won't slow you down. Advanced heuristics catch virus-like activity before it bites you. And you can get it free for 30 days by going to ESET.com slash Mac. And don't forget, not 32 for Windows, the best antivirus for Windows as well. That's ESET.com slash Leo. If you use Windows or Mac, you need Nod32. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, live from Austin, Texas. And the Big Talker 98.9 FM here in Austin. Thanks to them for hosting us here. I'm sitting in a studio with a gorgeous view of the Austin skyline. It's a beautiful, clear day. It's warm here in Austin, too, which is it's kind of nice to get out of the cold. I will talk a little bit about that CanSec West, the security conference, and the Pwn2Own competition they have. They have it every year. They set up standard installations of Mac, Windows. Now they're doing phones, Chrome, uh, the uh, browser Chrome. They did Safari, Internet Explorer 8, Android phones, and then they let the hackers go at it for a big cash prize. In fact, Google sweetened the pot on Android. They said uh, an addition, or was it Chrome? I guess it was Chrome, yeah, the Chrome browser. They said an additional $20,000 in addition to the, the 15 you get from uh, the, com- the uh, competition organizers if you can crack Chrome. And we'll tell you the results. How did Chrome do? With all that money on the line. And who was the first to fall on the Pwn to Own contest? Coming up next, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here. The tech guy, the Texas tech guy today. Hook 'em horns. Uh, I am in Austin, Texas, actually, for South by Southwest and the facilities of the beautiful 98.9 FM, the big talker in Austin, and having a great time. I came down here just to get an iPad 2. They were, they were all sold out in, uh, the <laughs> in Petaluma. No, that's not true. I came down here for South by Southwest, the big uh, conference uh, that happens every year in Austin, Texas, where the, the best of the web comes to Austin for barbecue, music, and fun. And it's really one big party, although there are, I understand, conference sessions. I've never been to one, so I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's the parties people come to Austin uh, for, I have to say. Um, we're uh, going to be doing a live broadcast of this show at Momo's in Austin, if you're in the Austin area, tomorrow uh, from 1 to 4 Austin time. So stop, stop by and say hi. Uh, we'll then do our uh, podcasts, uh, the Tech News Today podcast and this Week in Tech podcast, and have a little meetup afterwards. That's Momo's in Austin, if you are in the Austin area. Please come by, say hi. I'd love to see you. There's no charge for admission, but it is 21 and older because apparently Momo's serves alcohol. <gasps> I'm shocked. Shocked. Uh, let's see. Who should I start with? Should I start with uh, Walter in West Virginia? He's on line five. It looks like he's been holding all the longest. Hi, Walter. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Welcome nice, to the show. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for calling. Well, I have a question about the iPad 2. I remember when you used to discuss the iPad 1, you said that you had to connect it to iTunes somehow to activate it or to do something with it. That's correct. Do you still have to do that with the iPad 2? You, you certainly do, Ollie. Oh. And I was very disappointed because I had the iPad 2 earlier this morning. My producer, Eileen, got it in line for me yesterday, and I was carrying it around, and I was frustrated. I couldn't play with it till I got back to the hotel and hooked it up to my laptop. Now, you can do that at the a- Apple Store. They will activate it for you. But I have to recommend using a computer with it. And this is funny because didn't Steve Jobs make a big deal about how we're in the post-PC era? Except (laughs) you need a PC to connect up the iPad. Yeah, Uh, It's just the same as it was with the iPad 1. Uh, Apple needs you to hook it up to iTunes, activate it. Okay. uh, And then, uh, which basically means give them your name, serial number, your rank. And then um, you should probably continue to hook it up for your own benefit because uh, the next time you sync, you connect it, it syncs and it backs up everything. So it's really, it's the, it's the way of backing up the iPad. Oh, now, since I don't have a computer, then my library has computers. They also have Wi-Fi. Could I use the Wi-Fi? No, you have no. to physical well, connect cable. What kind of a cable would I use to connect? It comes with the iPad, too. It's oh. a USB cable with a 30-pin connector on the uh, iPad side. 30 pins. Uh, so okay. it has to plug into a computer that's running iTunes. It does not have to be your computer. Uh, what I would say is, uh, since you don't own a computer, then do it at the Apple Store. Yeah. They'll activate it for you. You're done. You're active. You can continue to use it. You will download music on the iPad directly. You'll download applications from the App Store on the iPad directly. You don't have to have a computer from now on. But do, do remember, you're not backed up at all. So if if you lose what's on the uh, you know your iPad, you lose everything that's on it. There's no backup of that data. I see. But, you know, it's the post-PC era. You know, who needs backup? Yeah, right, right. Uh, okay, so now this doesn't, uh, the iPad 2 doesn't have a DVD maker, does it? Oh, golly, no. Okay, so I... Don't, don't confuse this with a computer. This is really, I mean, it's interesting the stuff it does have. For instance, because now it has a camera, they are shipping it uh, with iMovie. Actually, it doesn't come with iMovie. You have to get online and download it. Um 
But that's something to be aware of as well. It does, you know, for, for it to be at all useful, you need an internet connection. So there's two ways you could do that, via Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, and it, that means you have to be somewhere that uh, Starbucks or your library that has an open access spot or a spot that they'll give you the password to. Yeah. And then you also uh, can connect via 3G if you buy, if you spend 120 bucks more and you buy a 3G model, but then you'll be paying a monthly 3G fee. And, you know, I got the Verizon one just to see how Verizon was. And I was kind of a little bit taken aback. They started a gigabyte a month, which is not very much. They go up higher. But it's it's fairly pricey. Three gigabytes, which I ended up buying, is thirty five dollars a month, and it's that's not a huge amount of bandwidth. No, I see. I so you will want to be using Wi Fi as much as you can. I see. Well, since I don't have Wi Fi, it doesn't sound too practical. I probably I don't think this is for you. I <laughs> think I should probably get a computer, which I don't have. Which I. Been putting it off because I listen to you and all the problems that people have. I I kind of turns me off. <laughs> well, know? I understand. Now, don't forget, this is kind of the computer infirmary. So there are a lot of sick computers that come here. It doesn't mean everybody has problems, but I do think it's valuable to listen to this show with one thing in mind, which is even though the 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 computer and consumer electronics industry says these things are foolproof, anybody can use them. They're easy. They're reliable. It's pretty clear that in fact. That's not exactly true. That A, you do have to learn a little bit. Even to use an iPad, you have to spend some time learning it. It's not immediately apparent. And B, they are not reliable. Nothing's that reliable, and things problems do crop up. Not, you know, the iPad much less so than, say, a full-bore computer. Right. The iPad is a good alternative to somebody who doesn't want the complexity or reliability issues a computer can bring with it. Okay. What about um, viruses and other malware? Does the iPad prevent that? or do you know, At this point, there is no malware for the iPad, and it seems highly unlikely. I mean, one of the advantages that the iPad has is that all the programs are kind of, that we call it sandbox. They're all kind of uh, in their own little world. And so even if you, you know, downloaded something, it's just not going to get in. Apple approves all the downloads. Yeah, this that's one thing Apple has really focused on with the iPad, and I think is something that you do not have to worry about is malware on the iPad. Oh, great. Okay, Leo, well, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Hey, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we could actually make this uh, clear to people, because I think people, you know, hear this and see these ads, and the people they're doing, they're calling the grandkids, and they're doing all this stuff, and, and uh, it's not immediately clear that, yes, you need a computer, yes, you need an internet connection. Uh, we may be in the, Steve Jobs may say we're in the post-PC world, but you still need a PC. So I'm not sure exactly how post we are. I, I do think that there's reasons why Apple wants you to connect it to a PC because they do want you to back up. Um, I'm sure there's another reason. I'm sure there are reasons why. Oh, because they sell PCs? Yeah, it could be. Line two, Mike in Los Angeles. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, Mike. Thanks for hanging on. Welcome. Uh, thanks. Um, my question's about uh, the new iPhone coming out in June, July. Yeah. Would be comparable to the, uh, the, the Evo from uh, HTC? Well, okay, let me, let me make this clear. Apple has not said a word. Apple has not said there is a new iPhone. Apple has not talked about what that new iPhone might have. Well, that's why All I'm of that is pure speculation. Now, some of it's more reasonable than others. For instance... Uh, it's fair to speculate there will be a new iPhone in June because there always has been since 2007, every June. But Apple's not yet announced anything. Uh, it's also uh, possible to kind of predict some of the features based on the iPad 2 um, 
we you know the iPad one had the same processor that the iPhone four had, so it seems reasonable to think that this new processor, the A five that's in the iPad two, will be in the new phone. That means the new phone will probably be faster. But but we really don't know what we don't you know when you say like the Evo you're implying a bigger screen the Evo has a 4.3 inch screen compared to the iPhone 4's 3.5 inch screen will it have a bigger screen we do not know the Evo is much faster too isn't it the Evo is at same speed it's a gigahertz processor okay so I mean f- faster on a cell phone uh is is deceiving because of course it's you know all cell phones are smaller and slower than full bore PCs but they're getting closer and these new dual core phones these these the the Motorola Atrix for instance and the I expect the iPhone 5 or whatever Apple calls it will be considerably faster at least 50% faster than the old ones but we don't know thinking about the A5 that it would be yeah Apple. yeah it's too well it's two it's two cores we don't know what cores they are, are they uh, i mean there's a lot of mysteries. We're just now, you know, the iPad just came out yesterday. People are, iFixit has just started to tear it down. We think it's a Samsung chip, but we don't know. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo, that's the phone number for your calls, your questions, your comments, your suggestions. The big debate right now. iPad 2, to buy or not to buy? And uh, I guess I'm coming down on you don't need to buy it unless you uh, want the cameras. I get, I mean, it is faster. Uh, if you want to play GarageBand or use iMovie, you have to do it. But I just, it doesn't seem to me like it's something anybody needs. We haven't talked at all about the uh, tsunami and uh, and earthquake in Japan. I mean, a terrible, terrible tragedy there. And of course, it's developing right now, and we're watching it with with uh, intense interest in all the news channels. And it's just an amazing story. Uh, there's a tech story too. You know, I mean, I I was uh, I was checking the Twitter uh, on uh, was it Friday or no? It was Thursday night, and uh, eleven eleven o'clock Pacific time. And that's when the first news of it came out. People on Twitter saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I'm watching on TV. And they put links in there to NHK World, the uh, Japanese English language uh, world broadcast uh, from um, uh, the Japanese television service uh, to Al Jazeera, which also is covering it. And uh, just dramatic coverage. And you could see it immediately. You could watch Ustream videos that people were feeding out of, you know, there was a, a huge amount of coverage in it instantly. And, of course, uh, the response afterwards, the Red Cross pages. Be careful, by the way. Some of those are scams. Uh, make sure if you're going to donate, and everybody should, um, at least a, a little bit, uh, you do it to the actual Red Cross and don't fall for some of the scams. Just can you believe that the, the people people would take advantage of this situation and try to scam money? It's, it's uh, just hard. It's stunning. It's hard to believe. So there was certainly a tech component, especially because unlike in uh, Chile and Haiti, which had big earthquakes before, I guess somewhat New Zealand, but Tokyo and uh, and the Japanese people are very wired, and uh, they all have uh, cell phones with video and camera capabilities. So we just saw an unprecedented amount of, of footage out of Japan, 
immediately. And it's really quite dramatic. Quite moving. And I'm sure there's still a lot more to uh, to uh, see. It's a, it's a developing story, as you know. Uh, Michael is in Southern California, probably listening on the great KFI. That'd be my guest. Hey, Michael, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. How you doing, Leo? Well, I'm great. Thanks for calling. Great. I have a question. I won a, uh, an iPad a couple of months ago from a radio station locally. And there was some Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. How do you delete apps from an iPad? You press the app icon until it goes jiggle, 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 jiggle. And then you there'll be an Xbox and you click the Xbox and it's gone. Great. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> wow. That, that's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Uh, the good thing to know is that when you download an application or music on the iPad and then hook it up to a computer, the very next thing that happens, the computer says, would you like to transfer your purchases from the iPad? And that's a good thing. That's part of the backing up as well. So um, that, but the, even though that app that you deleted on the iPad is now on the computer, it will not copy it back to the computer unless you uh, unless you explicitly say so or to the iPad. I don't even link my iPad to my computer. Okay, then you don't have to worry about it. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Really appreciate it, Michael. Jeff in Van Nuys, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Leo. How you doing today? I'm fantastic. So. I know you are an Apple consultant. Right. I'm part of the Apple consultants. We're certified by Apple. We work with Apple and we work with the Apple stores. So when your people buy iPads and people want integration at their home or office, that's what we do. We go, we go out to their homes and office and do it. And it's becoming a huge, big business. You know, I, uh, you know the iPads have been, um, have been a big boom to the, you know, to the to businesses. You know, we just, uh, Isn't that interesting? You know, that's the, when, you, when we first saw the iPad a year ago, it really felt like, oh, this is the most consumer of devices. But yeah, absolutely, I'm seeing businesses use it in all sorts of interesting ways. Yeah, we, we, we had, uh, we, we had, we have, we've had like, like production companies who, who print thousands and thousands of pages of scripts every, every, for, for just one, t- one TV show are now having all the scripts go right through the iPads. The writers. Wow. They authorize them, and then they go to everybody's iPad, and it's cheaper than than printing things out. And it's becoming a really, really big, uh, a really, a really, a really big boom. And also, you know, management, you know, security and managing it, and having uh, apps turn off and on, and being able to secure, so and being able to identify where apps are and stuff like that. So, what do you think of the iPad too? My my question now that I have one in my hot little hands is: Is it so much better that people should rush out? You know, I spent nine hundred bucks to get the top of the line. Uh, iPad 2, is it so much better that it's worth 900 bucks? Well, you know, it, it is in a lot of ways. I mean, it, 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 it depends on your point of view. I mean, you know, some people don't have 900 bucks to spend. And, and, and I would say the iPad 1 is actually perfect. I, I have a couple of my guys in my office, and, that, and, they, and they use iPad 2s, and they love it. And there really is nothing that the iPad 1, except for the video camera, that's going to offer them more. I mean, lightweight, it's not that much lightweight. Um, and, um, uh, but you know, uh, to be honest with you, I, if I didn't have, like, well, just like you said, if I didn't have to do it, I probably would have sticked with my iPad one. Yeah. yeah. It does. But, 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 but on the other hand, if you don't have an iPad, of course, it's a great buy. And it does, I shouldn't, it's misleading to say 900 bucks. That's the top of the line. It's 499 for the least expensive. But if you're replacing an existing 3G iPad one with an iPad two, that's a fairly steep price. And you're not, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of uh, benefit out of it. Right. And I'll tell you a secret that some of your guys, that you, that some people know, is right now 
uh, when Apple releases new products, they have what they call price protection. So a lot of the Apple specialists and a lot of the Apple stores are reducing the price of the iPads that they have in stock by 100 bucks. So a 4.99 iPad last week is now 3.99 if they still have them in stock. They're trying to, to, to get because the iPad because Apple doesn't take returns from their from their dealers. So if you have a, if there's a dealer who has an iPad and they were selling them for 4.99 last week, their cost is now 100 dollars cheaper because Apple has gave 100 dollars price protection to all the dealers. Do you think that I, I, it's my sense that Apple will once they sell out of their existing stock of the original iPads, there won't be any more to be purchased. They're not going to keep that around. No, no, no. The, the only, the only, the only, the only way you can get the hundred dollars is if they still have those in stock. They're not shipping right. the iPad once out. Right. Get that hundred dollar discount. You can do that. Right. You know. Also, I wanted to comment about the about the video camera, and it's that you know I'm a I'm a I'm a video I'm a professional videographer, and I. I I shoot on professional high-end high-end HD cameras, and when people say, "Oh yeah, this is this is a high-def camera," you know, I really understand what the definition of high-def is, and right, it's not standard-def. So when us cinematographers we hear, "Oh yeah, it has a 720p HD camera," we go, uh, "No." <laughs> yeah, and it's not. And to be fair, it's not just Apple that does that. There are Panasonic quote HD camcorders that aren't true 720p high def so uh i mean i have to say the video looks pretty good i'm downloading imovie right now to see what it's like to edit video um which might be kind of fun um it's it's okay it's good it's okay consumer stuff but it's you know don't go out there and think you have a you have a professional hd camera i mean i have a camera that i spent sixty thousand dollars on and it's you know and that's an HD camera. Yep. <laughs> that's HD, baby. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to talk to you. I, I appreciate uh, your calling in, uh, and, and we can get uh, get some uh, good feedback from somebody who uh, is kind of an expert, Jeff. Uh, thank you. Bye. Thanks for, thanks for calling. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536, toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, Christopher in Lancaster, California, on Line 3. Hi, Christopher. Welcome to the Tech Guy Show. Yes, Leo. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Yeah, uh, I'm ready to upgrade my Palm Tungsten E2 with an... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's time. Yes, with an iPad 2. That's a big jump. Now, it won't be a phone. No, I'm not looking for a phone. Uh, you just want a, a PDA. Sir. And it's a lot bigger than your tungsten. Well, uh, I feel... I think of it would be like a ebook reader and a uh, planner combined, electronic planner. Absolutely. And actually... Uh, when I first saw the iPad, I, I was convinced it was going to be a hit. Actually, I didn't think it would be the hit that it is. They sold 15 million in the first nine months. I predicted 5 million. 
And even at the time, I thought, hmm, I might be a little over the top here. And people were, I have a, of a, I had bets with people. They said, no way, it'll sell five million. The most enthusiastic analyst said seven million. Fifteen was the actual number. So yes, this is a hit. And I tell you, if you're moving from an old-fashioned PDA like the tungsten to this, you're going to be thrilled. As long as you understand it's bigger, so you can't put it in your pocket like you could the tungsten. I understand. I did want something bigger. I just I loved it when I saw the original iPad with the huge contacts and calendar. Oh, it's so nice, and it's really easy to use, and it is small enough that you can pop it in the briefcase and not not really notice it. Uh, this new one is so thin that um, it really is exactly like a little slate, you know. And uh, good, it's good. It's a good ebook reader. Um, some people don't like it as much because it doesn't work in bright sunlight and it's a little heavier than the Kindle, but. I, I read books on it all the time and I'm completely happy with it. Oh, um, great uh, combo uh, gadget. If you are looking for, so the chat room's making a very good point. Um, if Let me give, give uh, Knox Harrington some credit. He says, you know, the iPod Touch is essentially an, a mini iPad. And and so if you want something that's roughly the same size as a tungsten, you could look at the iPad Touch, iPod Touch. I really think I wanted something bigger for Good, good. You, you know what you're doing. The only issue I had is I love the software that came for syncing with my uh, I, my Palm right. desktop. And I liked it how it had integrated the contacts, the calendar, the tab right. to do notes. And I haven't found anything yet on the Mac for a desktop that uh, I could still use it and sync with my Palm. And Palm has gave up on the Palm desktop uh, software for years. I was wondering what would be a, you recommend. Well, if you are using a Mac... Um, the iPad is designed to work with directly with iCal on the Mac, address book on the Mac. So those will sync. In fact, you just turn that on in the settings in iTunes, and your contacts will sync back and forth from your iPad to your uh, desktop over those two. The only negative on that is you have to physically connect them to synchronize. It doesn't. Send, it does, there's no over-the-air sync, uh, syncing yet. Uh, now, I personally uh, don't do it that way. But that's the simplest way, and it's effective. Um, and I think it's every bit as good as the Palm desktop. The thing I didn't like about it with the iCal and Context are two separate applications. Right. One of the things I loved with the Palm desktop was I could make an appointment with saying I want an appointment with Joe, and it'll pop up all the Joes, and I could be linked. So if I could yeah. And if I had a task, and I could link my files related to any working-related task to it, I'll just pop up at once, and I haven't found anything yet that has uh, those features. Yeah, um, I would think that, uh, let me ask the chat room, because I don't use it, the new Microsoft Outlook, which is part of the Microsoft Office for the Mac, I, that's what Outlook does. That's the idea behind Outlook, is that it combines uh, your address book, your email, and your calendar all into one thing. I suspect that... Uh, that would work fine with the iPad, although I've never tried it. Chatroom, is anybody out there synchronizing Outlook on the Mac with uh, with the iPad? Does it synchronize uh, well? Can you can you do that? I would imagine you can. I mean, how could they make something that doesn't? Some of the other things I was looking at was the Soho Organizer and Relationship. Uh, yeah, there's a number of programs uh, like that. Um, there's uh, there's one that I um, I kind of really like. Remember Goldmine and ACT, those contact managers that were designed for sales yes. uh, specifically. Um, there, unfortunately, most of them have, have kind of gone away. 
But there is one for the Macintosh, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. Let me see if I can find it. Um, that was really just super, super nice. Um, yeah. Ooh. Daylight. So it's from Market Circle. Uh, and I don't know, but I would suspect this would do very well with the iPad. Uh, if you go to marketcircle.com and take a look at Daylight, it is contacts, calendars, projects, tasks, email, all synced together. They do have an iPhone app, um, and it looks like they might have an iPad app as well. If they don't yet, they will. I'm sure they will soon, because um, this is just a natural. Uh, this is what a lot of folks who used, uh, who used to use uh, Act, uh, use now. It's it's called Daylight D A Y L I T E from Market Circle. I take a look at that. Are, are you in sales? No, uh, I'm an engineer, but I have a lot of tasks. I also have to work with uh, manpower production. Oh, perfect. This is perfect because it has project management. You can share calendars. It's re- it's a, it's very good for that. Yeah, most of the time I don't need to share the calendar. Okay, that's a big issue and. For me, because I know I want to get the new office, and whether or not I get the office with Outlook or without. Ah, so you so Outlook might be an option for you. The, Let me see. The Outlook version is almost like one of these P P uh, PIMs or or contact management software, as you was mentioning. Yeah, I, there it does look like the uh, Outlook, the new Outlook on uh, the new Microsoft Office for the Mac uh, will sync. In fact, you just have to use the sync services. So that's so that's going to do what you want. Sounds terrific. Thank you, Leo. Hey, I thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. That's an interesting move. You're going from a classic PDA, the old Palm Tungsten, to the latest and greatest. Um, in many ways, you're just going to be wowed. I mean, the, the, the depth and color in the screen, the size of the screen, the quality of the apps, the speed of the apps, all of that is great. But, you know, if you're tied to the Palm desktop, I'll tell you, there's something about the Palm desktop that is just... Uh, I, it's funny because it's a little primitive, but the people just love it and they can't get away from it. Uh, Justin in Los Angeles. Hi, Justin. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I'm sorry. Let's go to Susie on line two in California instead. Hi, Susie. Leo, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Terrific, but confused. I'm not a techie person. I've got a 21.5 inch Mac that's just about a year old, and I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing on iMovie, I'm doing um, a slide presentation for my grandson. And I find myself that I'm going to be traveling a couple weeks, and so I need something portable. And I was trying to figure out if the iPad 2... Perfect. Would the iMovie go back and forth between my Mac and the iPad 2? You know, I don't know yet. I haven't tried the iMovie, but it's certainly you could make a movie on iMovie and put it on the iPad. You can make slideshows on uh, iPhoto and put it on the iPad. Uh, the iPad is just the greatest as a digital picture frame. It's just fantastic. Right. But what I was trying to figure out is if, because I've already started it on my Mac, if I put what I have on my Mac... Could I sync it with the iPad too? And yeah, then when I'm through, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know if the iMovie came. You know, I just got it, so I'm not sure. But I will certainly try this. But I'm not. My sense would be that the iMovie capabilities on the iPad are not going to be 100 uh, percent the same as on the uh, 
on the iMac. I guess I guess your real question is, can I take my events, my projects, the work in progress that's on the iPad and move it over? Right. Uh, so I'll tell you what you. I know you could do. You could take all the clips and you could start over again. I don't know if you could move it over. Let me see if I can find out. That's actually a great question. 8888-ASK-LEO. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. seconds. Does this actually go on, Kyle? Is this GarageBand? <laughs> Did they do the office theme in GarageBand? You're, you're kidding. And that's it. It's the same as on the TV show. Was that done in GarageBand? You're kidding me. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. It does sound that kind of che- a little cheesy, but that's the that's the purpose. That was the theme from the TV show, The, uh, the Office. We were talking about GarageBand on uh, the iPad 2. Wow. Can I just say, wow? This is amazing. Um, you know, kind of these real instruments. I'm playing the classic studio kit, but here's a vintage kit, live rock kit, classic drum machine. So it turns the iPad into... Into a, I guess it's not very loud. I guess I'd have to plug it into the, the board so you could hear it. But it's pretty impressive. And that's just a, apparently now. Now I have to go back to the instruments because somebody says it has a very good Hammond B3 organ. It's got a variety of guitar amps, audio recorder, sampler, smart drums, smart bass. That's what I need. I need a smart keyboard. How can I get a smart keyboard? Let's see. This is the grand piano, classic rock organ. Wow, that sounds good. I don't know how well you can hear that, but that is that is amazing. Eight track recording. Uh, I think I think that is an example of where the iPad two is pretty impressive. You can, apparently you can put GarageBand, the new GarageBand, uh, on the iPad one, but of course you're not going to. It's, uh, GarageBand's always been a pretty uh, processor-intensive program, so it may not run quite as well. And uh, they did restrict the new iMovie, which allows you to shoot and edit video directly on the iPad. You don't need an extra camera because the iPad has a camera. It's got the editing. Um, and they did make that so it only works on the iPad, too, although Wired Magazine apparently has a little hack you can do to your iPad 1 to install on there. I think that's smart of Apple. You know, if you're going to uh, try to sell this upgrade, which is admittedly uh, fairly expensive to buy a whole new one merely nine months after the original, or whatever it is, maybe it's 11 months after the original, um, and it's got some small improvements. It's faster, thinner, a little bit lighter. It's got cameras. You've got you've to gotta give reasons, people reasons, other reasons to buy. And I think, and this day they showed it at the, uh, Steve showed it at the, uh, at the launch announcement, the GarageBand and iMovie are two pretty darn good reasons. Pretty impressive, I have to say. Um, if you had a kid who was really interested in music, this would be a great choice. 
Coming up in just a bit, uh, Miles in Anaheim. He wants to know a little bit about Android. We've been talking a lot about Apple. Hey, let's let's talk about Android a little bit. Uh, Jim is uh, a Verizon user, and he has that 4G modem. Uh, he, he wants an iPad or wants to know how to work with the iPad and the 4G modem. We could talk about that. And the Zoom, too, which also uh, should work with that. In just a second, but before we do, I do want to remind everybody, as I do every weekend, that it's time to back up. So many of you listen to this show, but uh, forget to back up. What a good time to do it while you're listening. Of course, if you're using Carbonite online backup, you don't actually need to worry about it because it's always backing up. Whenever you're online, uh, Carbonite automatically backs your data up to the Internet where it's stored, encrypted, safe. No one else can access it, but you can get it anywhere. Not You don't even have to wait for disaster. Your data is available. Just log on to your Carbonite account on any computer or use their free smartphone applications. There's your stuff. It's very affordable, even if you don't think of it as backup and just as cloud storage. It's only $55 a year. And that, that doesn't have a limit. That doesn't have a number. It's $55 a year for all the data on your internal drive. So, I mean, that's that could be a lot, couldn't it? That's 15 cents a day. Carbonite is for Macs. It's for PCs. It's automatic backup. It prepares you for the worst. And you know what? The worst will happen eventually, sooner or later. Why not prepare today? Don't be, the, don't be that guy who calls me up and says, Leo, I lost all my data and I don't have any backups. Have a backup. Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. You can try it free for two weeks. If you decide to buy, they'll extend your 12-month subscription an additional two months at no charge if you use my name, Leo. C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E dot com. Carbonite dot com. You got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Let's go to line one. Miles is in Anaheim. Hi, Miles. Leo Laporte, the tech Hi, Leo. Hi, Leo, and I want to thank you and your crew. You guys always do a great job, first thank off. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, I have and a, a great, thanks for great mentioning Japan, too. Um, keeping them in our thoughts. Too. No kidding. No uh, kidding. Yep. Horrible. And um, the, I have a great idea for an Android application. I am not computer savvy in the sense of being able to design an application. Um, I'm curious as to how to get connected with somebody, whether it be a, you know, a 21 year old kid, needless to say, that's probably who it's going to be. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, you know, and let me tell you, they're out there. They're out there. Now I have to tell you this, uh, Miles, that the idea is easy. (laughs) There's lots of people with ideas. Uh, it's implementation, it's marketing, it's, it's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes after the idea that makes the difference between success and failure. You know, uh, I, that's where Steve Jobs shines. The, the, when the iPod came out, it wasn't the first MP3 player. It was just the best, the best marketed. Uh, same thing about the Apple II. It wasn't the first personal computer. It was just the first personal computer to be properly, you know, marketed, sold, and positioned, and priced, I might add. So you got the idea. I'm sure it's a great idea. Uh, the good news is in the modern world, um, it's easier than ever before to take an idea and bring it to market, a software idea. Uh, not only are there lots of great programmers out there who would love to work with you, but there are lots of great inexpensive platforms, Amazon and Google for, for two of them, that will very inexpensively allow you to put up a website if that's what you want to do. That's a simple idea that you can express it to the world and then like Facebook and then go out and find some funding. 
it, it couldn't be easier. This is an amazing time, which is one of the reasons why this festival I'm at, South by Southwest, is so just buzzing because there's so many people now, thousands and thousands, who have great ideas who are making it happen on the net. Okay. Um, it's almost overwhelming. So here's what I would suggest. There are a lot, there's a whole marketplace of programmers out there online. Uh, one of the sites I send people to is Elance, E-L-A-N-C-E dot com. E- a pro- Elance. I, I suffer from strokes, so please bear with me. Sure. Um, Elance, E-L-A-N. Yeah, it's just like freelance without the F-R-E. Elance. Elance is a very good one. Maybe somebody in the chat room can suggest that. I know there are other sites like this. They're basically like, um, you know, job boards like Monster.com for people who are programmers, who are freelancers, who want to get a job. So Elance is a good is a good place uh, to start. How do I protect my idea besides, like, making the design? I have the art, you know, the art in mind, the whole nine yards, the idea. Uh, do I mail it to myself to protect it? You know, that one, Miles, I would ask somebody like Bill Handel or an attorney because I am not an expert on, on doing that. I've certainly heard of people doing that. I have a, you know, uh, Dice.com. There's another one I was trying to remember. D-I-C-E. I'm sorry, go ahead. Dice, like the shakeadice.com is another place also like Elance. Um, yeah. The, the, you know, it's a really tough one because I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs who say, I have a great idea, and if you sign this non-disclosure agreement, I'll show it to you. And you know what? It doesn't, doesn't it often doesn't fly. So, um, you know, a, a lot of these people are not going to sign NDAs. Somewhat, there's a certain amount of trust it's going to require going out there, but I would absolutely consult an attorney uh, and get their advice before you, uh, you risk your idea, because I, I don't know what the best way is to do that. Um, I do, I am reminded though of Larry Summers in the, the movie, the social network talking, remember to the Winklevoss twins, the two guys who claim that Mark Zuckerberg stole their idea for Facebook and they were so upset and so irate and they wouldn't sue at first. They said, we can't sue. We're men of Harvard. So they said, well, what would a man of, well, we'll go talk to the president of Harvard and they go in to Larry Summers, who's the president, former treasury secretary. I don't know if this scene is true or not. There were a lot of fictionalized scenes in this movie, but it's it certainly rings true. And they say to the president of Harvard, help us, this Mark Zuckerberg, he stole our idea. And the president of Harvard says, and you're coming to me for this? He says, you're men of Harvard. Come up with another idea. <laughs> there are a lot of ideas out there. Ideas are a dime a dozen. It's execution. That uh, makes a difference. And I and I also should point out, if if you are uh, somebody who says, hey, I got a great idea for a program, aren't there a lot of programmers who might have a great idea for a program, too? And they can write it. You, you might be kind of at the back of the line on that one. 8888-ASK-LEO. Time to uh, take a break. Come back with uh, more calls in just a bit. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy.
Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all the works. This is episode 751 in a continuing attempt to understand what the heck is going on with digital technology. And you're helping me. You give me a ring and talk about it. Uh, I think we can uh, solve this together, you and me. 888-827-5536, toll free from anywhere in uh, the U.S., if you're outside the U.S., Skype ad will do it. We have a website, techguylabs.com, techguylabs.com. There's a link to uh, all the show notes there, all the information I've talked about in the last 750 shows. There's also a link to all audio from most of those shows. There's a link to the uh, video stream we sent out, kind of a weird video stream today. I'm just Skyping into our studios at Tech Guy Labs because I'm in Austin, Texas. I'll explain that in a moment. There's also a link to the chat. And there's great people in the chat who are very helpful. And almost a thousand people in there right now. If if uh, if they can't help you, no one can. Techguylabs.com. You'll find it all there. Now, why am I in Austin at ninety-eight point nine FM, the Big Talker? I'll tell you. Well, besides the fact that it's one of my favorite cities in the world, I'm here for a conference called South by Southwest. It started out as a music festival. It became a film festival, and now it's a three-week-long extravaganza with. Something they call South by Southwest Interactive, smack dab in the middle of it. It's kind of like an interactive sandwich. Um, The interactive part is is basically the Internet. Uh, It's all those companies like Twitter and Facebook and Foursquare that have kind of changed the landscape uh, of the Internet with interactivity, with social uh, networking, with uh, location uh, check-ins, things like that. Uh, Not so much the Googles of the world, not so much the Apples of the world. It really is these small, little, fast-moving companies uh, that are are just doing so many interesting things. And it's really a lot of fun to come to this event because uh, you see so many interesting new things. There's always a battle here. Not always, but it started in 2007. The the, the festival's been going on for about a decade. But in 2007, this uh, never-before-heard-from company, this little company called Twitter, which had been founded about six months earlier, came here, and there was something about Twitter that got captured the imagination of the geeks here, and everybody used it, and it was really a coming-out party for Twitter. It was where Twitter started, in effect. It first got well-known. Uh, that was in the spring of 2007. Um, a couple of years later, a little company called Foursquare, which now has, uh, I can't remember, four or five million users, started out here. People would go to a, a party uh, along 6th Street in Austin, and they check in on Foursquare to let their friends know that they were at this party. And, well, everybody realized, hey, if you don't use Foursquare, you don't know what's happening. And, and everybody at South by Southwest started to use Foursquare. It really is like a, they call it viral, you know, when these things spread so quickly. And it really is like a virus because people got infected by Twitter and Foursquare in Austin, a benign infection, but uh, infected nonetheless, and brought it back home to their friends and family and got them using it. And uh, these these comp- these little companies became big companies thanks to uh, the little bit of yeast that was added at this conference. So that's why it's always fun to come here. Now, I have to say, it's gotten to be a pretty big show. I don't know how many tens of thousands of people are here, but I went, I arrived on uh, uh, last night on a plane, uh, went downtown after I checked into my hotel to 6th Street, the big, kind of this where all the bars and nightclubs are, and uh, they they pretty much blocked the street off. There were no cars going down 6th Street. And there were just a lot of hip, young 20-somethings 
all of them in dot-com startups or in marketing or in social media. You, boy, this is the place for you, 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 you throw a stick and you're going to hit a social media expert. They're all over the place here or a self-proclaimed social media expert. So it's very, it's fun to come here. It's also a little bit um, weird because, I mean, these, this is a, this is what they call a bubble. This is a, a very, an island, an insulated island from the realities of the world. Uh, it, people, you, you overhear it at breakfast, people talking about valuations and, and venture capital and, uh, you know, going public. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a different world from the world you and I live in. I intentionally isolate myself from it because it's just, it's, there's too much unreality. Uh, let's say, uh, let's get back to the phone calls. Let's get back to reality. What do you say? Go to Orange County. Nothing more real than that. Jim's on line for Jim Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Leo. Uh, first of all, I can say I started using Carbonite because of you, and I'm very pleased. Thank you. I appreciate that. We always appreciate when you support our sponsors. So That's, uh, that's the key thing. I've, uh, I, bought, I got a 4G modem uh, that Verizon sent out. I use it for my computer. I love those. Is it a USB one or is it a standalone one? It's a USB. Okay. So they also sell the MiFi, which is looks like a credit card. Same thing. It gets its data from their 3G network. But the MiFi, instead of plugging into the USB port on your computer, uh, turns it into Wi-Fi. It's a Wi-Fi access spot. And that's part of the question I've got because that's only 3G. It's not 4G yet, but... I've got a uh, I've got an association. I go to trade shows. I want to show people our website and what have you. Got a lot of members, and I wanted to get an iPad, but I didn't want the data plan because I've already got a data plan with this modem. But yeah, they figured out how to get some more money out of you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, they- I know the problem with the USB modem is it you know it's stuck into your computer, and there's no USB slot on the iPad. Now there is a trick you can do if you're yeah. if you're using the a Verizon USB modem on a computer that has Wi-Fi also, you could set up something called a uh, an a ad hoc network. And you'll have to go into your Wi-Fi settings. And what it does is it uses the data access it's getting from the Verizon USB modem and putting it out. It's turning itself into a Wi-Fi access point. So it's, in effect, a big Wi-Fi. The modem is? The, the computer becomes. Your laptop becomes. Well, yeah, I use the. Uh, I, I like an iPad. Well, I understand. Now you can use the iPad with that, but you need. Unfortunately, I know you want to get rid of your computer. You can't use that USB modem standalone with the with the uh, iPad. Yeah, that's what I thought. Now they said at the store that I could probably go with a MiFi. That's a great choice, and that yes, the MiFi works great with the iPad or or any other Wi-Fi device, including your laptop. But it's not 4G. Now, I have to say, first of all, Verizon's LTE isn't everywhere yet. They say they're going to be in, I can't remember, 38 cities, something like that, by the end of the year. But, well, we'll that remains to be seen. And I don't know if you've noticed, I, I don't think it's that much faster. And certainly, as more and more people use it, it will get less and less speedy. Well, I get up to 18 megabytes a second. If Holy cow! Okay, I take it back. If I'm out of the certain areas in Orange County, if I'm in other areas, I get four or five megabytes. Right. And the four or five is more like what you're going to end up getting once everybody has it. When you're getting that much faster speed, you're probably the only person using it. In fact, you're probably the only person using that head end entirely. You know, the uh, the cell site, 
They're, you're not sharing. That's the full bandwidth going to the cell site. See, that's part of the problem with data from your cell provider. In order to get you internet access, they have to run that internet access out to the cell site. And they're not going to, they're only going to run so much out there, right? And then you're sharing it. Everybody who's on that cell site using the data is sharing that single, uh, that single point. So for a while, I'm the king of, uh, of king of connectivity, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're the king because you're the first. Now, uh, uh, there, there are modems or routers, I should say, Wi-Fi routers, that will take the USB uh, connector and turn it into Wi-Fi. Cradle Point makes one. It's a few hundred bucks. It's not cheap. So it's, about, it's, a, it's bigger than the MiFi, but it's smaller than a full-size Wi-Fi router. It plugs the USB modem into it, and now it goes, it turns itself into uh, Wi-Fi. But I don't know if they make 4G versions. You'll have to check the Cradle Point website. 3G is all right. I just wanted the modem to stick in my pocket, walk around trade shows, and have the iPad connect. And they- you bet. Well, that's where the MiFi is awesome. That's where, the MiFi is amazing. I mean, it's tiny. And then I don't have to have the, the three the more expensive iPad. I- you don't have to have anything. You can just use a Wi-Fi device. Yep, absolutely. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Port. There I am on my garage band guitar, playing as fast as I know. Ah. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. We're talking about the iPad two a lot today, of course. It came out last night, five o'clock local time. It is already, I am told, sold out. Uh, that didn't take long. Um, Apple says if you ordered on their store online, I think they're saying now. Let me just check. The last I checked, it was one to two weeks delivery time. Um, they do have white. They do have white. Let me just see if I buy now. Not that I want to. Uh, two to three week shipping time on the cover. Uh, wow, they sold out of the covers too. <laughs> two to three week shipping time on the cover. Two to three weeks on the iPad itself. Uh, and I am told, although uh, this isn't definitive, but I'm told that people are going into stores now and being sold. There are no more iPads. There were there were lines yesterday, considerable number of lines yesterday, and uh, even today in Austin. That's where I am right now uh, for the South by Southwest uh, conference. So, but I mean, of course, there are going to be lines where you got all these uh, all these tech nerds hanging out. Not a surprise. It's a it's uh, you know I expect Apple had several million to sell, so I'm sure they sold right through their stock. This is there's no doubt about it. The most successful uh, tech. Item uh, for some time, of some time. Although Apple, you know, Steve, when he was on stage a couple of weeks ago announcing iPad 2, did say it was the quickest consumer electronics uh, item to be adopted in the quickest amount of time, faster than anything in previous history. And, and actually, that's not true. Of all things, the Microsoft Connect, which is that crazy little doohickey that lets you dance in front of your Xbox 360, that was $150. So it's cheaper than an iPad, but still expensive for what you get. And they sold 10 million of those in the first month or two. iPad took nine months to sell 15 million. So no, not the fastest selling of all time, I'm afraid. Uh, Let's uh, say hello to Paula in Los Angeles. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Paula, you're next. Mary's first from Southern California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Mary. How you doing, Leo? Fantastic. Thanks for calling. I have a, a MacBook Pro, and I also have VMware Fusion, and I want to run uh, some um, PC, uh, some software written for Windows. Yeah, that's exactly what you'd use those two things for. And um, I'm just wondering, um, I have to get a copy of Windows um, X, XP, and I'm wondering about it. Will it work well on this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, in fact, it's. I just got the new MacBook uh, Pro uh, last night, and I installed uh, Windows Seven on it using VMware Fusion, and it's a really uh, amazing. I mean, here I am running a Macintosh, and uh, Windows runs beautifully on it. Now you have two choices. Uh, if you want to be able to boot into Windows and run at full speed as if you're running a Windows computer, you can using Apple's Boot Camp technology, and then you can still have the virtual window that you have with VMware Fusion, VMware Fusion will see a bootcamp partition and say, oh, 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 fine. We don't need to install Windows. You've already got it installed. I'll just make it available underneath Mac. So that's the two different ways to run Windows on a Mac. One is turn your Macintosh into a Windows machine with bootcamp. The other is to run Windows within, a, in a window, in effect, on the Macintosh so that you get OS X running at the same time as Windows. As long as you have enough memory, and XP is not particularly demanding, uh, yeah, it runs very well. About an OEM copy of XP. Ah, so you're asking about which version of XP to install. Yeah, the OEM might have trouble. Depends. Some OEM versions, those are the versions that came with a computer. Some of them are are locked to that manufacturer, sometimes even to that computer. Huh. So try it. If it doesn't work, uh, then you're going to need to find, uh, you know, and you probably could do it on eBay pretty cheaply, find a, a, a full copy of XP. Huh. Sounds good. Okay very much thanks for the call i appreciate it yeah it works wonderfully first thing i did on this macbook now i it's interesting i got the uh solid state drive on the macbook pro the 128 gig drive because i'm really a fan of these solid state drives they they're so much faster um the downside of course is they're more expensive and you get less storage 128 gigs sounds like a lot to an old timer like me who vividly remembers five megabyte drives but uh, <laughs> Uh, 128 gigs is nowadays a little bit uh, scant. Still, I was able to get both Windows and OS X, all my data, all my applications on that. And uh, this thing now is super fast. I can boot into Windows in, in a matter of about a minute. You know, from a standing start in OS X, I can reboot the machine, make it a Windows machine. And it's very easy to just run an individual Windows program uh, using VMware Fusion. There are other choices. There's a free one I mentioned earlier on the show called VirtualBox. does the same basically the same thing and a company called parallels makes a a solution that does the same thing these are these virtualization programs allow you to run other operating systems on an operating system so you could run windows xp under windows 7 or windows 7 under macintosh like that now it's time for paula in los angeles hi paula leo laporte the tech guy hi leo I saw you uh, in Marin County when you came to the Golden Gate Computer Society several years ago. That was so much fun. I try to do that every year. It's just a blast. Well, I haven't been there for a long time. I moved to Los Angeles, unfortunately. But it's a great little club. It, you know, these I, 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 I love user groups. I, I wish more people uh, took advantage of them. There's one in almost every area, and these people are knowledgeable and very helpful, very nice. Well, you were very helpful and very entertaining. And Thank you. I I'm glad I caught you. You don't I have to, to be entertaining. 
anything right now, but I would uh, I would like you to be helpful to me. Okay. My um, my recorder, my disc burner uh, that I use to burn uh, uh, things off my TiVo hard drive, mm-hmm. kind of flaky and not uh, problematic. And I discovered TiVo desktop. And that's really uh, a, a much easier way to do it. Uh, I can just download uh, wirelessly download programs off the uh, off the hard drive, right? Uh, and collect them, and then um, then burn them, put them in a folder, and burn them to a disc. The only thing, and it will hold much more too. And they also uh, list the names. I don't have to plug in letter by letter the name of the right. Uh, that's the good part. The bad part is that it's a .tivo file. Right. And it plays very nicely on my new HP laptop, 64-bit laptop, but it won't play on my, on my older uh, desktop, uh, about six years old, even though I downloaded the latest Java, hmm. latest um, uh, media player, it still wouldn't and I called TiVo and they said it's because the, there's a hardware limitation. Even though you have uh, uh, the latest media player, it's, there's something about the older computer. That well, it's very challenging if you think about it to play back video. And older computers often don't have enough hardware to do so. The whole idea of this TiVo desktop and the .TiVo file is to appease Hollywood. You know, what they what TiVo for a long time really didn't let you get its files off of it, you know, uh, but but people were hacking them. I wrote a book on how to hack the first generation TiVo because people said, look, I, I know there's a movie on that drive. My drive's filled up. I want to save the movie. How do I do it? Eventually, they said, all right, we're going to make it possible, but we're going to have a very restrictive because we, the movie companies won't let us do it otherwise. So that's why it's a non-standard file format. You might be able to, if you go to the hacking sites, find out, a, figure out a way to make it something that's easier to play on an older computer, but you'd have to change the format. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. We're talking about computers and the internet and cell phones and camcorders and MP3 players and home theater and all that stuff. Now, Paula called right before the break and said, I've got these .tivo files. And uh, I can play them. They come from the Devo, TiVo to go uh, desktop. I could play them just fine on my new PC, but my old PC chokes. I uh, now I uh, talk to the chat room because they they've have they have more experience with this than I do, and they say that the TiVo desktop 
will convert those .tivo files to MPEG-4, MP4 files. That's a, a more standard file format. Not necessarily more playable on the older computer, but once you get it in a standard file format, then you can convert those files to something that's less demanding. Uh, a smaller screen resolution, a uh, slower frame rate, or just an easier codec. It, now, the quality is going to go go down. There's no, I mean, that's that's the trade-off. Uh, there's a very direct trade-off between the quality of the image, the file size, and in the case of older computers, the bigger or richer the file, the more difficult it is for them to be uh, played back. So it's a bit of a problem, I think, to convert that uh, that old .tivo file into something more compatible. But if you would like to do it, you do it with the uh, TiVo desktop, save it out as an MP4, and then you, if you go Google uh, convert MP4, you can convert them into, say, MPEG-2, something that maybe that older computer can play back better. Kevin Murrieta, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Leo. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, quick question. Uh, you keep, maybe I'm missing something, but you keep alluding to iMovies and GarageBand as being only compatible to the iPad 2. Is that correct? I corrected that. The GarageBand okay. is, is playable, or you can install it. You can install iMovie on iPad 1 although there's a hack around that. And GarageBand is playable on iPad 1, but not recommended because it just doesn't have the horsepower. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I put GarageBand last night on my iPad 1, and I had right. three or four hours of fun with it. <laughs> and, well, how, how was the speed? Do you feel comfortable with it? Yeah, it was great. I didn't You're have able any to, issues with it able to record all? multiple tracks? All of the features worked? Yeah, I didn't do multiple tracks. I did like one or two tracks at the same time, but I didn't do you know, up to eight, so I don't know. Right. If you get more I tracks, think, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it certainly will break down at that point. But hey, if you can still play the instruments and record stuff, it's still pretty cool. I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, it's, like having, it's an impressive it's like program. The instruments. <laughs> yeah, it's a very impressive program. Yeah, at first I thought that both Garage, because you know they showed it at the iPad 2 launch. I it was my understanding that they were intended only for the iPad 2, and in fact, uh, they don't block you from installing GarageBand on the iPad 1. It just doesn't work as well because you need a lot of horsepower. Uh, they do they do block you from installing iMovie on iPad 1, although I understand there's a workaround for that. Oh. Although why you would want a video editor on your iPad 1 without a camera, I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? you feel the urge to upgrade, or are you happy with your iPad 1? No, I'm happy with my iPad 1. I don't, I, I'm don't. i not going to upgrade for probably, I'll probably wait until next year and see what comes out next year. I, that would be my advice. I would say you try to get at least a couple of years out of anything you buy, yeah. uh, whether it's a cell phone, a PC, or an iPad, and... Uh, you don't have to. Just because Apple comes out with a new one every year doesn't mean you have to buy one. Exactly. They'd like you to think so. But I don't think that there's so much new in this iPad 2 that you, you're you going to feel like the iPad 1 is obsolete. I, I, far from it. Exactly. And I'm with you. The only thing they, that to me is the upgrade is the camera. And I don't really need a camera for my right. iPad. I use my phone or something else. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, uh, Andy Anako, I do a show called Mac Break Weekly uh, every week with him and... Uh, and he said, look, anybody who's going to have an iPad probably is going to have an iPhone, which is a much better camera anyway. So exactly. who, who needs the uh, camera? Well, Kevin, it's, thank you for correcting that. I appreciate it. Yeah, the GarageBand, I guess, does play just fine on the iPad one. Thank you. Take care. Line three, Chuck Gardena, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, uh, Leo, thanks for taking my call. I, I wanted to find out, I heard earlier that you were talking about Facebook and um, Twitter. There was a marketing company that you can go to with when you, we're bringing out a new product and we need help trying to get to the, the masses. Well, what do you suggest? Well, uh, uh, certainly if you came to Austin today and you said, if you shouted, I need help 
with social media marketing, 800 people would run to your side. I mean, that is the hot, hot area right now. But uh, I don't think it's the only way to market. It's just a valuable tool. I just, you know, I was talking with uh, uh, one of our sponsors, Citrix. They just hired a social media marketing guy. Uh, Ford, who's another sponsor on my podcast, they've got a very well-known guy named Scott Monty, who is their social media guru. He is the guy who's on Facebook, who's on Twitter. And they, you know, look what Ford does with Facebook and Twitter. That's a very good example of a major, a major U.S. brand name, a big U.S. industrial company using these new media, I think, very effectively. Is it the only way to market? Far from it. Um, how do you do it best? Well, for one thing, it's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. These Both these companies decided instead of just doing a faceless corporate Twitter handle or a faceless corporate page to get a person to do it, a person who is front and center. Uh, it's not just somebody doing the tweeting. Now, uh, Regis and Kelly, you, you might remember I taught Regis uh, how to tweet a few weeks ago. Somebody sent me a video uh, last week of Regis saying, I'll never tweet again. It's stupid. I hate tweeting. So I guess I guess the lessons were on uh, wasted on deaf ears. But uh, they, the way they use Twitter may not be the most ideal way to do it. I, I If I were going to teach their producers and business people how to use Twitter and Facebook, I'd say do it a little differently. They have one account for the show. They hired a, a young woman who is faceless. Nobody knows who she is. She does the tweeting on that account. Occasionally, their hosts, Regis and Kelly, will tweet. I guess Regis won't do it anymore. Kelly tweets from time to time. But that one Twitter account, I think, is mostly wasted because it's not being used by real people. It's kind of a, a generic clone marketing tool. And one of the things that's very true about the new media and new marketing and new the new social media is it's got to be real. It's got to be human. It's got to be authentic. I don't let anybody tweet for me. Uh, my stuff on my Facebook page, I do have a public Facebook page, and I think every business should. Uh, and they should have somebody who's there, who's maintaining it, who's paying attention to it, who's responding to questions, comments, and most importantly, criticism right there on the page, directly, openly, and honestly. Right. But th- but there needs to be a very active initiative. You can't just start that page and go away from it because um, it'll look like you don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just a part of an overall strategy. It doesn't mean you don't buy ads. You don't you don't do other things. But uh Nowadays, if you don't have a Facebook page, it's just like if you don't have a website. You you need to have a presence there, and you really can use it. For instance, um, the way you follow Ford on Facebook is to like their page, and when you do that, it shows up on. It, when I liked Ford's page, it showed up on my wall. Leo Laporte likes Ford. You know, I mean, that's what you want, right? You want all of your fans, all your customers, telling their friends, "Hey, I like this product." What kind of product is it? Is it a physical product? Is it a, a software? Is it uh, industry? And, and it's really going to be tailoring to women. So that's why we're. Um, my partner actually heard your broadcast earlier. I didn't catch it, but he he thought you were talking about an app that you can use on the. iPhone. Yes, there is an app. It's called Hootsuite. Hootsuite. H o o t s u i t e. Okay. It's for team tweeting and team Facebooking. So it's a client that runs on your desktop or your iPhone or your iPad, and you can have multiple accounts. So you, your partners, other people could use it to update your Twitter stream or update your Facebook page. And it's certainly a very useful tool. They have analytics. Uh, I really like it. I, I think it's a great tool. But it's a tool. 
it doesn't do it for you and you still have to be authentic and real and and participate and be active and right. and respond to criticism all of those things you have to do okay all right well thank you so much Good luck, Chuck. Yeah, since you're in the automotive industry, I think Ford is a very good example. They've done an amazing job of uh, using... In fact, it's shocking. I mean, here's a, this is one of the oldest brands in America, and they are absolutely forward-thinking on how they use the newest marketing tools. show here from 98.9 FM, the big talker in Austin, Texas. Thank you to uh, Jeff and the gang uh, at uh, the big talker for letting us use your fine facility to do the radio show. We're having a great time here uh, winding this down. We will be live again from Austin tomorrow, this time though from the uh, uh, club called Momo's uh, doing the show from uh, Austin uh, and South by Southwest, the South by Southwest conference. We'll have a number of South by Southwesters here, as well as taking your calls um, on the show. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the number. But before we get back to the phone calls, I think we have a visit, a visitor from the East. <laughs> the Near East, as in, uh, I don't know, Manhattan. Dick D. Yeah. Bartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer and the Gizwiz. Hi, Dick. Yeah, how you doing? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm super. I'm so glad to be on to sort of uh, keep in touch, even though we're not doing daily gizwizzes today. So this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Normally we would do right after, because I'm in Austin, we can't do it. But right after the show, we would do our podcast, which we have redubbed. It was a Monday through Friday show. It's now a, a weekly show. So we're just calling it the weekly daily gizwiz. The daily gizwiz. And we'll live <laughs> next Saturday, you know, right after you do your yeah, radio. that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Every week, uh, Dick comes on and, and uh, tells us about a, a gadget, a favorite gadget of his. I don't know anybody who knows and sees more gadgets than Dick D. Bartolo. He's been doing it for longer than anybody else, so much so that he even has a gadget warehouse where he sticks old gadgets that used to be hip and cool and now are just, wow, we really bought those? Yes, but you know what? That cycle uh, increases every year. Yeah, it's shorter and shorter. Now it's just a few weeks before you go, boy, that old iPad, it's so out of date. Sorry, yes, I have the original iPhone. Uh, <laughs> in the Smithsonian, yes. It does. Actually, I do. You know, it's funny. In my cabinet, in my studio, I have the original iPhone. It does feel kind of out of date. Oh, absolutely. I have the very, very first uh, iPod click wheel. Uh, MP3. Yep. It, it's like a brick. Yep. <laughs> Well, let me, uh, let's talk about your gadget of the week this week. Well, you know, this is something new and neat, and we're almost up to spring, and people will be traveling. Uh, it's from the guys over there at Extreme Mac, and it's their new three-in-one micro deck, uh, micro dock. So, Leo, this, this is pretty nifty. It's for your iPhone or your, your touch. And what it does is it's a charging station with a pair of neodymium speakers in it and some onboard controls right on the device itself. 
So what you do first is you download the Extreme Mac Alarm Clock app. And you can use the app without this device. But when you travel, if you want to turn your uh, iPhone or your touch into a hotel clock radio, not clock Uh music player, several things happen. One, built into the app is the sound of wind, uh, rain, or waves. So you can set this little dock to let you fall asleep to the sound coming through these two little speakers. And the sound is not bad, considering the dock itself weighs about five ounces. Um, It looks like it's about the same size as the dock Apple sells, but it does so much more. uh, I was reading some other people's reviews, and someone said, wow, this thing is about the same price as the dock that Apple makes. Yeah, and all the the dock that Apple makes does is is hold your iPhone up so it doesn't fall over. Oh, this... (laughs) This actually lets you play your music through it, lets you set, has an elaborate setup system. You can set up two alarms. You can set up each person to wake up to their, their favorite song that's on your iPod. It has a snooze alarm, and you go into settings and say when you hit snooze, you want to snooze for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, one minute. So you, you personalize that. It has a nap timer. You hit the nap button. I need that. <laughs> Yes, someone, someone told me that, that you're, you, you need some sleep, so you need that. I need the nap timer. At least I need the nap. Yes, yes. The only problem is you also need the time to take the nap. Yes. Oh, oh, it doesn't give you that. Oh, never mind then. I'm afraid it doesn't. Um, and uh, list price is fifty nine ninety five. but about an hour ago I did a web search, and a lot of places have it, uh, in the States anyway, for about 45 bucks. That's a great deal. It's really nice, and you get to pick the, the clock face you want to show up uh, on your iPod or iTouch. And then when you leave in the morning, you take it out, and it's fully charged, and, and you're set to go. Very good. That's pretty neat. The Very only good. Is, is, is the plug, you know, that's one of those transformer plugs, which is rather large, and there's no battery backup. But the device itself is really neat. comes with a little travel pouch. It, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Extreme is uh, X-T-R-E-M-E, Extreme Mac, and uh, they've done great Mac stuff for a long time, so I know uh, this is reliable and trustworthy. Uh, Speaking of reliable and trustworthy, you can catch the daily weekly Gizwiz starting next week at twit.tv, our podcast network. The 21st. Oh, yeah. We have to record it next week, and then we air it the following week. We go off to fine-tune it, but we already spent the 90 seconds talking about it, so we're done. We've kind of fine-tuned it. That's it. That's it. It's fine. That's it. That's the fine tuning right there. That's the miracle. Hey, now, I, I believe I'm correct in saying this. You don't have an iPad, do you? I do not. Do you have any desire for the iPad 2? You know, the only thing I'm sort of waiting for is to see what the new iPhone might be for Verizon. But I, I'm not running out to buy an iPad 2. Unless yeah. the new Twit bonus package. No. <laughs> Whatever you... No. <laughs> I guess my dreams of having years and getting this uh, wonderful gift before going into the new is now dashed. Dream on, my friend. Dream on. Dick's website. I will do this. I'll plug your website for you. That's worth at least five bucks. Yes. Drips, Dick's website, gizwiz, G-I-Z-W-I-Z dot B-I-Z. Yes, it rhymes. It's a rhyming website, gizwiz.biz. Check it out. In fact, it's got a great chance to win a Mad Magazine. He plays this great contest every couple of months called the What the Heck Is It Contest. 
figure out what that is on the What the Heck Is It contest. And Dick will send you an autographed Mad Magazine. Dick? I'm the Gizwiz. Oh, let's not forget. Love a little plug. At the Gizwiz. Thank you, Dickie D. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Have a great week. Meanwhile, I do want to remind everybody that uh, this is a very good time to back your stuff up. Carbonite, am I right, Kyle? When I when I say back up, what should leap from your mouth and everyone else's mouth is Carbonite. Let's try it. Back up. Carbonite. See, yeah, it comes right out, doesn't it? Carbonite is backup done right. It's the best kind of backup. It's automatic, so you don't have to remember it. And it's not a backup to uh, an external hard drive or set it, something in your home or office. You don't want that. Because what if you have a, like a real disaster and there's an earthquake or a fire or a flood and, and you lose everything? With Carbonite, it's backed up to the internet where you can get it anytime, anywhere. In fact, it's more than just backup. It's off-site storage. It's cloud storage, which is so cool. Mac or PC, you back your stuff up with Carbonite, and then anywhere you go, any computer you're on, you just log on to your Carbonite account, and bada-bing, bada-boom, there it is, your data available to you, even with their free iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android apps. It's, it's just so cool. $55 a year for all the data on your internal drive. That's what I call a great deal. Try it for 14 days free when you use my name, Leo. Just go to Carbonite.com. If you decide you like it, they will extend that $55 one-year subscription an additional two months, two months free, but you got to use my name, Leo. Back it up to get it back and do it right with Carbonite. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, and I think we got one time for one more caller. Jim in California, you're next on line four. Hi, Jim. Leo Laporte. Hi there. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Thank you. I need to find out an easy way to sync all my files from my laptop to my PC. Uh, all Now, all, you don't really mean all because you don't want the Windows stuff. You don't want the applications. You just mean your documents. Yeah. Yeah. So all you, you, what you, what you know already is there's certain folders I want. I don't want the whole hard drive. I want the, the, a few folders. So what you're going to use is a program that will synchronize folders. Do you want it to happen all the time or do you want to happen just whenever you hook the two up? How do you want to do that? Uh, I guess if there was something that did it all the time, that would be nice. If I All right. I've got a great solution for you. I just love it. Now, Carbonite will do that, but this is one that does it kind of automatically. It's called Drop. Box. I've mentioned it before. I'm just a huge fan. We installed that last weekend when I heard you talk yeah. about it. The, the only thing I don't like about that is that when I go to save a file, I can't save it in Dropbox. I have to save it usually on my desktop and then drag it to Dropbox. Uh, hmm. That's not been my experience. What you'll, when you install... And all the time, it depends on the file I'm saving, I guess, where I'm getting it from. So sometimes I'll click save, and it'll come up in those all the files I have within Dropbox now. Once you install Dropbox, you have a special folder called Dropbox, and maybe some applications won't let you save to that folder, but almost all of them will, and, and that's, the, that's automatically synced. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.